0: This, this is Power Athlete, Power Athlete Radio.
1: With your hosts, Denny Kay, Professor Booty, and V. Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some now bombs. What's up Power Athlete Nation? Welcome to episode 83 of Power Athlete Radio. I'm here with Your Steve. Kids, my kids are here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my kids are here. We got the line signs on. No, we're here with Luke, Cali, Tex, and Playtech. What's we're up? ready to rock and roll. Fresh I off.
2: See. I say ahoy because Luke has been rocking a captain's hat for mm-hmm. the past like three days. And I inexplicably, I inexplicably,
0: I believe it was uh, Alexander Graham Bell thought you should answer the telephone. Ahoy ho! That's like, oh,
1: This is true. This is true. Now the captain's hat it. is the captain's hat. The one you're wearing in your recent pic on Instagram, Luke.
0: Are all right, all right, you talking to me? You're going to have to address me as Captain. The
1: the show. Captain. Yes. Oh, Captain, my Captain? Hold on. Let me stand up on my chair. Captain, my desk. Uh, it is.
0: It is the hat, because I just went over, uh, I guess the story behind it is we. I went over to the printer to check in on them, make sure all of our new merch was getting printed out as to spec.
2: I love that there's a story behind this, because there's really not a story. So it's I'm just over there, intense. and it's a
0: bunch of, you know, a bunch of laborers cracking the whip, making sure everything's aligned. Remember this, Collie? <laughs> That's and, not uh, true. So these guys are like, man, these shirts are fucking awesome. They these do are do the that. nicest shirts. These are the cool shirts that ever come out of this shop. Uh, can we get a couple shirts? How much do they cost? I'm like, these shirts for 30 bucks. Can you afford that? And they said no.
2: No, mister.
0: Yeah, it was a lot like that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. See those hats over there? If those if hats just come my way and they have a Power Athlete logo on them, you might earn yourself a couple of new shirts. And I walked away. shut the door behind me, lit up a SIG, jumped in my IROC-Z Camaro, and just peeled away.
2: Peeled away. We, we are officially two doors down from them. And, the, and then he parked.
0: <laughs> that was Kelly. Anyways, yeah, long yeah, story long enough. These guys showed up with the hats, and they're pretty badass. I got the captain's one. Yeah. <laughs> I got this one that looks like a, a, got, a monkey should wear.
2: I got some <laughs> janky red one. I can't even put it on my head because it looks so awful. I might even take a picture when you throw it up. But it's like you compare the two hats, and it's obvious that one person was supposed to be superior and the other person was supposed to look like they were getting in and out. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the hat
3: from
0: Seinfeld on the Minbo episode, like George is wearing that red hat and then like, tries to turn it around and looks like a, a doofus.
1: That's what you look like. So, uh, so speaking of uh, Power at the HQ, you got some renovations going on there?
0: Yes. We're doing a little interior design. Uh, our guy, Harry, over in the UK, he's a all-star designer from Soup to Nuts, I mean... Uh, in terms of marketing and putting together our apparel campaign, he he gave us some ideas on how we could polish the gym to make it a little more.
2: He tells me how to get badass. dressed in the morning. Yeah. And he tells me what accessories go <laughs> and what. Outfit.
1: It's a fact. You know, and it's, how to how to improve the gym? I mean, the gym's freaking awesome. But here's the thing,
0: Denny.
4: It's just like
2: we did that because we're just I a mean, bunch of we're just a bunch of guys.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to look good when Luke and Kelly are not there. You know. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because then
0: you throw text in a video and it's just like text and white walls and everybody's yawning. <laughs> so we need we need a little more pizzazz and pop to the gym and and just a couple couple quick projects are gonna help figure that out. We we're just putting some 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 of our branding and logos up on the wall sure, and I think it's sure. gonna look pretty badass.
2: Yeah.
1: Any new equipment? I mean you guys uh, yeah. got the monolith there, you got the freaking rig, chains.
2: Yeah, we do have some new equipment. Huge it's called dumbbells. We have new equipment. It's called John's car parts from <laughs> yeah. random random vehicles that we had to hoist above the offices uh, yesterday. And In our
0: storage area. So. We just
2: show up, and then there'll be, like, random car parts there for, like, I don't know, old vehicles that he's putting together. And <laughs> and so we put it up for storage, and, like, I'm sure one of these days is going to be like, where's that little thing at the very bottom of this... Where's
0: that steering gear. Yeah, I'm like, what
2: yeah. the fuck is this
0: stuff? That And then a local gym by us, like a big global gym, shut down, and John knew the owner and was talking to one of the new owners, and he was able to snag this safety squat bar. Oh, yeah. It looks cool. like it was fucking handmade in 1970, and uh, it's got, like, it's not... It is not a fancy safety squat bar. It is, like... It's awesome. But it's, it's just got character, you know what I mean? Like, it's been yeah, used. Yeah. There's been some fucking strong dudes under that safety squat bar.
2: And he's making every single person use it. Like, I think the UPS guy stopped by. He and like, hey! You gotta, yeah, you you gotta got use got this.
0: safety squat. Yeah. But other than that, no.
2: Well, the other equipment, let's not forget the best piece of equipment, is I picked up an ab wheel from the Salvation Army. Oh, yeah.
1: Nice. ab wheel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can... You can go to Walmart and buy those for like five bucks, but I mean. no, we
0: got four ninety
2: nine. This was four ninety nine, so I saved myself. Ooh, yeah.
0: And then uh, in the works though, Denny, in all seriousness, since you've been out here, I know yes. that we have our eye on a pit shark. So a pit shark. Really? from Westside, We really want to get a belt squat machine, uh, and just do some some loaded yeah. type loaded jumping loaded. Uh, belt squats, see what we can do with it, see if we can we can change the training, and I guess selfishly, you know, we travel quite a bit, and if you have airplane back or airplane hips coming in yeah. on Monday and squatting heavy with a bar on your back can be devastating. I've fucked myself up a couple times, uh, so, and John just likes new toys and new things to tinker with, and hopefully we get one of those pick sharks. That's what? awesome. Callie. I don't know where
2: we're gonna find it. I'm such I'm I'm like the typical female and like where are we gonna find the room? We have no room whatsoever for anything.
1: Get rid of one of the treadmills.
0: Did we not talk about the vertical storage?
2: Yeah, vertical yeah, storage. So, so yeah, so here's here's our theory is we're gonna use pallets. We're gonna create pallets that are pulleyed, like on a pulley system, that are hoisted. To sure. the rafters that contain the things that we use. Maybe it's on a day to day basis, but Luke's job Luke is gonna prioritize. There'll be like three pulley systems. One mm. is like your everyday stuff. Color coded. Yeah, we like put Chelsea up there, bring her down, <laughs> pack a uh, and then yeah, and then the other stuff. Like so so there's this. there I mean there's there are plans in the works. I just uh,
0: We need a pretty sophisticated pulley system for a pitch up though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So all right. And, you know, so that's the updates I guess that are meaningless. I guess we lost every listener. But
2: right? uh, yeah, yeah, but but we should talk about in that picture that you're referring to. I mean, let's note that we have officially brought back uh Eat the Week. Um mm-hmm. it is it's not in its original form, but by popular demand. I mean, like that is by far one of uh the most popular most sought after, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. most sought after shirts, and it's it is badass. Like some, yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, these like this is ridiculous, or certain slogans are ridiculous. But I have to say that I I really like the shirt. It's it's pretty awesome. So if everybody gets a chance, check out the site. We mm-hmm. know that Black Friday is fast approaching. And that's and the release date. That's the release date for the, nice. the, the, the
0: for evening. the normies for the normal people.
2: The professional members. Our
0: pro members get first uh, first picks on that. Though. As they should. Yeah,
2: limited supply. Mm-hmm. There's and then, two.
0: And then you guys got your secret codes, so don't worry. Our VIPs, which are even more important Vip. than our pro members, pro VIP, very yeah. important pro members.
2: <laughs> that's not even funny. I don't no, really know great. why. I'm here.
0: But uh, I'm gonna send you guys out links so you can make sure to get your stuff too. So who oh, do you, uh, uh, right? you you have an OG Eat the Week right? You have the original one. I have
1: yes, like the very first one,
4: man. Yeah, that was Text- released after Occupy Strength. Yeah, Tex, you got one? Oh yeah. I it's uh, one. it's in my shirt collection I'll never wear again just to keep pristine.
0: And oh My, <laughs> my, my hey, bet hey. is Playtech, when that shirt came out you were on uh, Outlaw, weren't you?
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> oh no.
3: <laughs> so you don't got that one, huh?
2: Oh. I'm
0: just <laughs> making an observation. We'll yeah, see.
3: I was hurting myself on that stupid program. It's okay. Oh. It's not your fault. Yeah, I'm back now.
0: <laughs> of, with <the>, a, <laughs> you back sound he, like it. It's, <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah. So, think, keep your eyes peeled on that, and then a couple, like a lot of other good stuff too. Uh, we got four other designs popping out, but.
1: So okay, another thing, nice? um, another thing I keep seeing on the social media is the 22 Jack Street thing. Oh. Yeah. Is that uh, like a secret elite? Competition that's going on amongst it's our neither. athlete coaches or Yeah, so it's eyes only.
2: It's neither secret nor elite.
1: It's all of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds cool as hell. I keep seeing pictures of like everybody's torso, naked torso.
0: <laughs> Just like waiting. You know. I know, I'm I'm waiting for the unveiling. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one.
2: Oh, it's going to be brilliant.
1: And I also learned that Texas bones weigh nine pounds.
2: <laughs> I, I,
1: I have nine scientific proof.
4: Nine pounds of bones, dude.
1: God,
2: That's, fatty. No,
4: what, <laughs> how, no, there's, the I got bone proof weighs. to tell me I'm big boned.
2: Lou, so Lou's some bone weight. Why don't you? <laughs> I'm in the <laughs> what, top 99th
4: percentile for under six foot. Wow.
1: You're in the top. Say that again.
4: For under six feet, if you're over six feet, nine pounds is pretty normal, but I'm kind of, I guess, somewhat under six foot, and so my bone <laughs> mass, I'm in the top 99 percentile, so I'm, I'm basically like Wolverine. I'm fucking I'm steel.
0: I'm telling you right now, dude, I'm going, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get that bone scan.
3: I'm going to smash your bone density. Yeah, yeah You're six foot, I think, right? Where can you get one no. of these bone scans? Huh? Where can you get one of these bone scans?
2: At a woman's clinic.
3: <laughs> oh, perfect! Whoa, whoa, I will definitely go scan my bone at a woman's clinic. So what? what is... <laughs> that was good. I thought
2: that was
3: good. Bone set spike. <laughs> that was for Ingo. <laughs> so
4: spike. So this is uh, it's called a DEXA scan. D E X A. Yeah. Okay. okay. And. Um, My just a friend of mine that i would known for a few years she just didn't see one in the mid-Atlantic area so she saw it as a business opportunity Uh, so one of these machines is like 150 grand and uh, you got to do some research but it's a DEXA, DEXA scan it's muscle mass, it's bones and then what the cool thing is you can say like uh, in my left leg I have one pound less muscle than my right so you can see like if there's an imbalance specific to legs, arms, trunk, everything, it's really cool. And you, you see adapt- if your spine's misaligned, there's vertebrae out.
3: So with that kind of um, bilateral asymmetry, would that change your training?
4: Well, I mean, uh, I mean her biggest clients right now are uh, figure models, and they have to, you know, have to be uh, just symmetrical because that's part of like the scoring system. Right. Um, but in terms of somebody just training hard, if, um, I mean, you know, CrossFit or powerlifting, something like that, if you got one side that's overpowering the other one, eventually that could lead to an injury.
2: Don't, isn't there an element, did you ask her, is there an element of that that's actually normal, though? Like, people with the dominant side, it's, it's normal to have, say, one pound or like some sort of, you know, percentage, like larger growth on the other side. I mean, does,
3: does that make sense? Yes, it does. Uh, natural bilateral asymmetries. that's part of nature.
4: Yeah, just because we are right-handed, but ter- and if you're a tennis player, a baseball player, your sport is asymmetrical. But if you look at that from a strength and conditioning coach's perspective, you're, you're looking for symmetry. If there's an imbalance in that dead bug between the left and the right hip, you're going to attack what the limit, the weak hit.
2: Yeah, but here's what I'm saying. If you are a pitcher or you're a quarterback or something like that, you're going to have more musculature on your throwing arm, right? Like that's the idea. So, I mean, to add, so what's the the idea then? To to create the same musculature on the opposite side? Or, I mean, like what difference uh,
1: is... Isn't that addressing like a limiting factor though? Potentially.
2: Maybe if potentially, it's limiting yes, you, it's a limiting factor. But if it's not, how do you know?
4: But you know? it's it's let's let's uh, we can use baseball as an example. Say you're a right-handed batter, and you basically you spent 20 years of your life just only batting right-handed. Your left hip is going to be a lot more tighter because it doesn't get a lot of opportunity to rotate. So then you carry that tight hip over to you. Got to sprint in a straight line to get to first base or second base. Or if you're an outfielder, you got a sprint. They're going yeah, the to be in ability running a straight line. So yeah, maybe it talk- may not affect their batting, but it affects them in another aspect of the sport.
2: But now you're talking about now you're talking about tightness versus the uh, I don't know the the mass
3: asymmetry and mass. But, yeah. yeah. But but they might be correlated.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're not there. It just, nothing's in a vacuum there, but I just think it's like an interesting thing because I, uh, because ultimately, like you know, we'll talk about specialization later. But I mean, specialization certainly requires an an element of asymmetry depending on the position or skill required.
1: Well, what about like uh, take the professional arm wrestlers, right? I mean, obviously they're going to have that one strong dominant arm. Uh,
2: yeah, definitely. I mean I, I don't, well, don't know if I'm
1: going on to some sort of you know and over the top it was like a handle you know what i mean or the documentary over the top
2: I think that that is not a field sport situation It's not a field but sport it's
1: but I guess I'm trying to say, like <laughs> if you would want to you would want strength in both arms right because your your opposite arm is almost acting like the uh like the antagonist.
2: Well, yeah, and if you're
3: gonna go sleeveless, so if you're not just gonna. be if weak, and you
1: got this gigantic right hand or fiddler, arm,
3: you're looking like a fiddler crab.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, that's you would want the symmetry there for that sport, if you want to call arm wrestling a sport. How about
3: the sport of
2: getting babes? You're not gonna have one giant arm and no. one little weak one.
0: People... Dep- no. Depends. you. you it depends what the girls into. You to <laughs> <trust> the worlds. <laughs>
2: Nobody wants a freak.
1: <laughs> Easy. I'm not
2: told. I don't know.
1: All right, what about a kicker? You want? If you want to go field sport, I mean, the kicker's only going to constantly kick with their good leg, right?
2: That's
3: so what should I'm saying. the other
1: leg be. What should the other leg be like? you got to plant Denny, off of it.
3: Denny, girls don't look at legs. It doesn't matter.
2: A roller skate. The other leg is on a roller girls skate.
3: Girls don't look at legs? I'm just kidding. I'm not unless you present them, Denny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so Once anecdotal. You're little anecdote. Present your legs, like uh, just, super just high, high shorts. 70s. Present
2: your legs, please. Always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, coincidentally, today was calf day. John wore long pants.
0: <laughs> just so, saying. Just saying. Um, but going down to the kicker, one of our coaches at Balboa, uh, Chris Frey, was an NFL hopeful and punted in a lot of NFL combines and punted up at Duke uh, got a full ride there and to this day um, that over dominance has been an issue granted he's just really he's training he does some CrossFit type stuff uh, some local fitness throwdowns but he has battled that imbalance so that imbalance will develop as a result of the specialization is it necessary sure. I don't know if it's necessary
2: necessary
0: but it may just be unavoidable because of the amount of reps that you have to either pitch or
2: kick, sure. But you want to make an omelet, you're gonna to have to break some eggs.
4: No, 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 no. So I don't agree <laughs> with that philosophy. Okay, John. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, no. But we had Angie on on the last, the last podcast, and we, we kind of, uh, I guess, hinted yeah. on this and what her approach to her volleyball team. So they go their practice. They are swinging that right arm. They're serving. They're getting rep on rep. Let's just say 200 freaking serves a practice. When she approaches them in the weight room, it's, all right, we've established your right arm, you got some work in, let's try to throw with your left arm, let's try to keep that balance. So you're still responsible on making that right arm, that right leg, whatever it is, as powerful and specific to the sport as possible, but you also need to address the opposite leg, and symmetry needs to be the approach and the goal in the weight room.
2: I think, I think I agree with you up to a point, but also, I mean, you... You have to emphasize the, the side that's working, the side that's doing the skill-specific type job. And Great. I think I, I agree that you do want to you want to try to create that balance. That is always the goal. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, I think that when you get to a certain level and you have a certain number of reps and a cert, on a certain side, it is inevitable. I just think it's I just think it is. But you know, that's neither here nor there.
1: Steve, is there some kind of a uh... Oh, okay, so if you have a, a dominant side, right? If it's your right side, that's your left side of your brain, right? If you develop your left side, is that like in a sense developing your right side of the brain? Is there some sort of correlate correlation to have in uh, both both sides of your brain like developed?
0: An ambiturner. We call that being an turner in the, the modeling world. You can it's turn left
3: and right. It's possible to have both sides of your brain developing. Just saying. <laughs> um,
1: uh, but the well, yeah, well, maybe I didn't word that right, but I mean, no, when it carry over
3: the dexterity whether you're left-handed or right-handed or left-dominant, right-dominant doesn't necessarily make you quote-unquote left-brained or right-brained, but it will attune to the left or right motor cortex. So I kind of agree with um, with Tex that in the weight room. The symmetry should be good for nothing uh, more than symmetry for protection of injury, but also for neuromuscular firing and and uh, in, um, uh, interaction. Then on the field, you would have to train; you would want to train the dominant movement because that's the field sport. That's the, I think the difference between training in in the sport and then training in the weight room. Yeah. That's
1: I agree
3: with that. so mm-hmm. so um, so lacrosse. You
4: you have to be right-handed and left-handed but you still have your just instinctive strong-hand go-to. Uh, just uh, using my experience in high school playing, you could get away with only being one-handed. So in college, you have to develop both hands. And so not having a, a good high school coach, my right hand is terrible, that's my dominant hand, and then actually having coached left, my left-handed is better in terms of shooting, in terms of catching, in terms of doing anything, and it's more relaxed and fluid. So I'm 100% right-handed, but just through uh, deep practice and then working on uh, that symmetry in terms of the field sport, I'm able to become a better athlete in that respect. So it's uh, it's a challenge, and I know people just look at, all right, you're a right-handed pitcher, you're a right-handed quarterback, let's just go right, right, right. But from a strength and conditioning perspective, you need to identify – It's not only the right hand. It's not only the big numbers and the power. It's what's going to prevent you from playing. So if that quarterback's weak left shoulder, once he has to sprint, he needs to have that equal counterbalance between his arms and his legs. Otherwise, he will lose a split second. He'll lose an instant that could
3: win a game. That sounds dead on.
2: Yeah, I think the point is well made. I think I think uh I think everyone would agree that I'm right and that <laughs> you put well, up a good argument. <laughs> just kidding. That was good.
1: It's certainly I mean it goes right into the article that you uh released recently, Callie, when you were talking about uh, specializing.
2: Yeah, and granted the the article is a little bit more vague than what we're diving into right now in the conversation, but I mean yeah, I think uh ultimately the, the goal of the article was to take a step back and uh, start to view specialization as uh, not a bad word, as well as failure, and allowing people to fail at certain things, and, you know, the, the phrase fail fast or fail quickly is often used because it'll help you eventually get to the things that you're good at, and there's nothing wrong with shoring up the weaknesses that are necessary for whatever it is that you're training for. Um, That's a completely valid thing. Uh, However you know you need to expose especially youth athletes to a ton of different uh, domains in sport so you'll never know what they're capable of doing if for instance you have this one pipe dream of uh, getting them to go to the NFL or to be a pitcher or to you know be a gymnast. You know, there are not only physical physical traits that can inhibit that from ever happening, but there's also just general skill traits like hand-eye coordination, competitiveness uh, within the sport itself. Um, their personality plays a huge role in that and being able to thrive in whether it's an individual sport or a team sport. Um, there's just so many variables. And... Uh, you know we talked about I talked about briefly like why are the reasons that these athletes are failing well if it's a matter of like work ethic and you know or they're not into the sport you need to be really in tune with that or if it's if it's a matter of like just out of the fact that they're being um, you know put into a position where they are consistently failing the fact that they're being put in that position repetitively I mean that's the reason they're failing is you need to take a step back and try something different you know and I know John always says you know the definition of insanity is uh, is expecting a different result after you know having tried the same thing over and over again and uh, you know I think that with the rise of competitive exercise and things like that that is a sport in and of itself that requires your ability to do a lot of different things you know pretty well and um, when it comes down to field sport I don't think that idea transfers and uh, you know the the prime time to figure that out is when you're dealing with an athlete who's just getting into sports so
1: you know that it that's interesting cuz I I have a client who his son um, currently is like a pitcher kids 14 and he's miserable like his dad has place such these high expectations on him uh, to be like a starting major league pitcher, and like I said, the kid's 14. He's probably like five five, you know. And it doesn't look like he's gonna grow into the type of physique that you see, you know, in that most major league pitchers carry. Mm-hmm. And you know, he keeps saying his father. Well, well, they told Barry Sanders he was too little, or or Drew Brees was too short to be a quarterback, and it's like I can understand, like, the naysayer comments, you know, like you want <laughs> to prove them wrong. But there comes there's a point to where if your child is flat out unhappy and miserable in his sport, which yeah. I would say he is, just by, his, by talking to him, like, you know, sometimes I'll coach, like, our kids' classes, and I'll talk to him afterwards, and he's constantly looking down, you know, like I haven't seen him smile ever. And it's like, you know, in your article, you're like, well, shit, get him get to play a different sport. You know, maybe, you know, his, he has skills. Like, I've seen him lift some decent weight and sprint pretty good. So maybe if he tried a different sport and take some of that pressure off of him, yeah, he, his, he'd have better mental health. And yeah. maybe, that, you know, maybe he would actually enjoy his baseball career but right now it's strictly nothing but baseball his dad won't fucking let up on that
2: And here's another really taboo thing that I'm gonna say and it's completely kind of tangent but maybe that kid his his uh, best use of his life skills are not in sports and that's not to say you shouldn't continue to keep him in something that's going to be engaging and physical um, you know and there are God there are tons of sports that you know he's 14 years old I mean, shit, maybe he's better at wrestling or fucking fencing, who knows, right? But uh, the the thing is, you know, you also kind of think of it in more of, like, a global view, too, that maybe the kid just, if he's that miserable, that's that's a dicey situation. Maybe he is better suited to compete in other other things, you know? Maybe he's got better use of his just life talent and skill. So it's just to take it one step further, I guess.
4: Yeah. And, and building off that, Kelly made a great point in the article. That kid is only going to know basically that insanity approach of bang your head against the wall. No matter how hard you suck, just you only have one opportunity or one chance, so go, go, go. So he may find some major in college he doesn't – his father forced on him, and he does. he's not good at, or some job. He's just going to be miserable for the rest of his life. So it, it may be baseball now, but his dad is putting him in a, a position to just – Suffer forever. Exactly. So if you, yeah, I mean,
1: what's then, it, the kid's self-esteem when he doesn't make the the, the majors, other minors? What's he going to have to fall back on?
2: Yeah, it's just a shitty situation all yeah. around. And uh, you know that, but the point, the long and short of it, is basically you can't be afraid of failure. Failure is a is a really good thing, but you have to be attuned to it, and you have to you have to make some diagnoses based on the failure. I mean, you have to be a a thinking individual. You can't just, you know, you can't just say, okay, well, this failure is because this, you know, that maybe not enough work was going into it. Well, maybe the kid needs to eat more. Could be all these variables. But really, I mean, shit, if you're his dad or you're a mom or a coach, I mean, you should be able to recognize patterns within a child. And if it's not working out and behaviorally you see some, You know abnormalities. Then I think that's so obvious. Like just get them into whatever they want to do. This isn't communist Russia, you know.
1: (laughs) We've talked about that idea in other podcasts as well, or or maybe just in our own individual conversations about just encouraging kids to play all sports. Yeah, from from little kids to to the fourteen-year-olds. Just just learn, you know. Have fun and, and learn all the different, you know.
2: Yeah, and then when you find out what they're good at, like if it's baseball, Sting. you just take their hands to a bat and you say, if you ever like this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Swing. away.
2: This, you're getting, yeah, mommy and daddy want a, a new in-ground pool.
0: It, I think it goes both ways, though, in the sense that, I mean, I, I grew up with kids whose parents thought they should be three-sport a- three athletes because that was celebrated. They didn't like the other sports, and then right. playing that other sport ultimately inhibited their specialty sport, sure. which may have been baseball or basketball.
2: Totally, exposure is one mm-hmm. thing, but then overexposure is something so. else, especially when they get to, uh, you know, a, an older age where, what, like you said, where they're really at a pr- primes to develop the skills, mm-hmm. and it's not just about body awareness, but they can really develop the skills in a competitive way with other athletes of the same age. And yeah, I mean. You, but by the, by that time too, the the kid is able to generally able to communicate to their parents like okay. Yeah, you'd
0: think, but I mean, look at the, a lot of the kids that we coach and some of the political bullshit. That's true. That we we witness and are it's fucking thrown in the middle of.
2: That's true.
0: But uh, it's yeah. It's I pretty... just let
2: those kids do whatever they want. <laughs> I say I'm gonna be outside smoking a cigarette. Come and get me in forty five minutes.
0: If anyone starts bleeding. <laughs>
2: I put one kid in charge and I say, "Don't don't find me unless you're bleeding or there's a fire."
1: You know when (laughs) I um, I was—that's how I'm gonna raise children. (laughs) Come and get me when there's a fire. I was just thinking um, about—I remember watching the thing. You like the Chinese, you know, the gymnasts or the weightlifters, and I mean those kids are plucked out at youth, and they're forced to do one thing.
2: Yeah, they are you know,
1: but they're really good. <laughs> they're like yeah, the Spartans, right? Well if and he then, was sickly then, or weakly, he would have been discarded.
3: Yeah. Danny Danny, but I think that they're not I think they're um and the in the Chinese and the Russians, I think they're identified as having a talent and then driven towards that. Yeah. Right. So at that young though?
2: Yeah, there is a yeah. weeding out process.
3: Yeah. It be like bones and like proportions and shit like that and then my yeah. things they'd be good at which which May may happen by default anyway.
2: Yeah. And and I mean and they're and they're they're very specialized in what they do, but you it know, like
3: well with communism if it creates gold medals.
2: <laughs> hey,
3: have you ever <laughs> read uh what's the That's freaking, gonna be the quote for this one. The communist
1: manifesto? I have not. Uh what? I mean, in theory, it, it's, it works. Do we have anything better to talk about than fucking... <laughs> how let's
4: talk about
2: uh, Tex, That's Tex's um, delicate segue to his own article.
4: Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about footwork. Well, we can transition failure and uh, specializing and non-specializing to footwork.
2: Do I, it. I how, agree but
0: how would you do that? How would you do I that? I just did it. Under this communist regime,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds even more ridiculous if you if you saw Luke saying it with this fucking captain's hat on.
0: Please call me captain. It, <laughs> the captain's captain hat forwards or backwards? <laughs> it's crooked to the
4: side because oh, I'm badass. Uh, <laughs> you look
2: <awesome>. picture.
4: <laughs> oh, thanks. You just got pulled. Oh. But anyway, so the. Uh, the usual approach in any way that I've witnessed to footwork is essentially, hey, speed ladder it. And whether it's football, lacrosse, even baseball, it's just your footwork in training equals speed ladder. And I, I just call it bullshit on it. And so where footwork can become, like, uh, good in general for everybody is if you break it down into the planes of motion. So if uh, – and um, – axis of rotation so if you set up in your athletic position lunge and then practice like those Pele's, those high knees the step up position and you get really good at challenging athletic position with quick feet. If you get really good at challenging your lunge position with quick feet those carry over to Olympic lifting, it carries over to football and then the, the high knees especially carry over to those field sports and no doubt those high knees, the Pele's, they are harder than I make them look. So check out that uh, check out that video, and they can definitely create that awareness and then the kind of fluidness and movement and stress that Olympic lifters need.
2: Okay, so why are you mad at the ladder?
4: Uh, where's the skill transfer in that tiny little box where your feet are so close together?
2: Uh, okay, so okay in terms of getting into the athletic position. Correct. But, so okay. I, I think, I, yeah. So you would, but would you ever see a case for using the ladder? I mean, it's that's a pretty bold statement, and I'm just devil's advocate here because it's uh, been used obviously since the beginning of time, when Jesus first speed was
1: ladder. Was, <laughs> 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 he made his disciples run yeah, through the agility ladder. Yes,
2: it was part of the uh, apostle wow. combine.
1: All right, icky <laughs> shuffle down the back, eyes <laughs> closed.
3: So we were just right from. The Apostles Combine. We're all going to hell.
2: This is
3: awesome. I heard
0: that's when they...
2: <laughs> careful. Careful. Uh, so anyway, go ahead, Tex.
4: So, I mean, what's the goal of our whole breakdown in CrossFit football? What's the goal of our whole purpose in our training? It goes back to athletic position. And any time with a quick feet ladder... If you want to approach it with an athletic position, I say go for it. But I'm just saying nine times out of ten, the coach is just going to throw it down on the floor, uh, make it long as possible, and say, hey, kids, don't fuck this up. There's not going to be a purpose of skill transfer or a harshness towards it. I'll tell you, I have seen a, a quick feet ladder used for hands. You get down in push-up position, and basically your arms got to do all the work.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. So you're saying uh, you can use a ladder, but there's a better way, like
4: making a wider ladder, right? Uh, yeah, making a wider ladder, or why even do it? Uh, if you notice in um, one of the videos, I just had two lines that are painted on the ground, mm-hmm. and I, used yeah, I saw that. so you can just use that ladder to say, all right, your left foot's going to stay in the ladder, or your athletic position is going to be on the left side, on the outside of the ladder. I want you to quick feet, right foot in there, but maintain the position to your
3: left.
2: I like that something concept like that. a lot because people have a lot of drills for ladders. There's a lot of, I mean, I think uh, I think there is something to be said with teaching coordination and um, agility, but like you, like you said, there's just a better way. You have a better way to do it, and uh, I think to wean people into um, new methods, you know, like using that wider ladder is going to be something familiar yet, like, you know, Uh,
4: digestible for them. Yeah but uh, I mean it's just like a lot of the things people misconstrued the purpose of a speed ladder or any of those crazy drills that are out there and then it just gains momentum and by the time it goes down to the high school level or middle school where kind of teachers, teachers are using it as coaches they don't Mm -hmm. understand the implications that they're you know taking away from these kids the true purpose of this thing. Yeah. And then four years down the road, that kid, his footwork sucks, and it just goes into just a, a vicious, frustrated cycle.
1: Yeah. You know, I I do take pleasure in watching, like, some of the new people come in, and when we put them on the agility ladder, they just kind of, like, suck. Yeah, flat-out suck, <laughs> kind of like how Freddie talked about when he put some of the cops on the agility ladder, and they just they just don't get it. Yeah. So I think that I agree with Callie when she says that that's that's a good purpose for that agility ladder. But I wonder if if it teaches too much like balls of the feet because the majority of the drills that we're doing or that at least I'm having them do is I, is some I sort of like on the balls of the feet all the time.
4: You know, but, yeah, then, I think it 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 teaches too much of the little pitter patter feet.
1: Pitter patter, pitter patter, right. When I watched, like, our Bonnie and Clyde thing, we did a shuttle, and and it wasn't just our members; it was a lot of the other gyms members too in the local area. When they had to turn and plant that driving leg to change direction, they were they were plant they weren't planting like a heel strike into the ground. It was like ball the foot, or their knee was twisted. You know what I mean? Like there was no, you in the CrossFit football seminar they talk about, or you guys go through that whole force bleed demo. It was glaringly apparent there in that yeah,
4: but in that event, you know. In, in football running routes, you can't have pitter-patter feet. In tennis, you can't have pitter-patter feet. You got to take strong steps as little as possible to get there, to get set up in a strong position to, to hit the ball. Same with shooting in basketball, same with shooting in lacrosse. So... It needs to, if you use the agility ladder, just think of it as footwork. Footwork needs to be uh, applied with a purpose, and going and using the athletic position, using lunge and using the step up is the best approach to training any athlete, any level for footwork.
1: I always thought of that as like pelvis movement, you know, the step ups, the lunging in the squatting.
4: That's how we define it as the action of the pelvis but I mean if you're if you get in pitter-patter foot on a lunging you get that wedding step.
0: Yeah, which I
4: see. For the skill transfer of a offensive lineman goes from his starting position into a lunge step and then a second hard lunge step he's got a block. So those are two lunges in a row imagine a lineman taking a wedding step on the field that's that pitter patter wasted footwork, and that's going to get his ass beat and on the bench.
2: Definitive steps. That's what I tell people at seminars. I know exactly what you're saying when you talk about pitter patter feet. Definitive, yep. definitive, definitive strikes into the ground.
0: Um, I like to say deliberate.
2: Deliberate.
4: It's more definitive. <laughs> Right. I've heard Luke say pussyfoot, so <laughs> hey, text I said that in
1: confidence.
2: That is offensive to me. Why? Hey,
1: do, you, do you think there's some sort of like like human default movement pattern that that everything wants to be on the balls of the feet? Because here's why I asked that. Like one of the one of the big things that irritates me with just like some of the members that I coach, when we do something like a push press or a uh, a jerk, there, there is no dipping and driving through your heels into the ground. They'll, they want to dip and drive on the balls of their feet.
2: Well, that, that's. You that's, know, do you
1: think? What's your opinion on that? Is it just?
2: I mean, don't you know, confuse being on the balls of your feet. Like we, we want dorsiflexion, but when people push off the ground, I mean, you're still there's going to you're going to be on the balls of your feet to create force on the ground.
1: Pushing pushing off the ground but what about like driving into the ground
2: well that's that's essentially what I'm saying like when you're whether you're changing direction or you're taking off or you're accelerating um, I think a jerk is a unique position I think you would put that maybe into a slightly different category because that's entirely vertical right as opposed to vertical and horizontal um but uh, I I don't know I'm curious as to uh, if Steve can can kind of uh, give us some reference to evolutionarily why we might be
0: more prone to be on
2: a... yeah on the balls of our feet.
0: All right, smarty pants.
2: I mean, it's a stronger <laughs> lever. It's a stronger <laughs> level. I mean, when when you look at somebody who's a runner uh, yeah. or just anyone running, it's just, it's a, the the calf and all that musculature is the most efficient lever in the body, just the way it's set up. So we can do, you know, thousands of reps that way or thousands of pounds. But that
1: when you're running, are you are you thinking about trying to put as much force into the ground as possible to push off? Yes. Or are you trying to be, like, light-footed, you no. know, and set?
3: No. Dive, drive. Drive. Dive and drive. But you're still going to drive from a, a lever system that's a- – uh, functional and able to move in in lots of directions. I think if you're in your heels, you're stuck in limited range of motion. It's ineffective and it's injurious. So, just as a consequence of being injurious over time, uh, natural selection would have favored a different movement, which would have been to go more from the midfoot or the forefoot. Yeah.
2: Interesting. We
1: think they, about that, Danny. You also see. I, I, with, I think uh, it makes total sense. Maybe. But but I mean. Like, Maybe we should talk more. But, you know, I guess what I'm saying is I see that. that it sounds like it is some sort of a, like a default dominance. Um, movement. But there are there are dip. those
4: kids that walk on their tippy toes, and you see that them grow up, and then they are those those guys with the giant calves, and their heel never touches the ground, even when when they're just walking. <clears throat> so there is something behind it. I think we got to do dig a little deeper, though.
3: Okay, so I'm gonna because I, I have to go in like five minutes.
4: Yeah, I got to go right now, guys. I'm going to jump off. Can't wait to listen to the rest.
3: So um, the toe walking is actually uh, a product of uh, uh, lack of coordination between the the thalamic cortico cerebellum circuit, and it's associated with the onset of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder because the motor system is functioning uh, inefficiently, and the frontal lobe, the frontal lobe of the brain, is. as a motor unit. Actually, it's just a giant motor system, but it also happens to be used for attention. So if you're drawing all of that inefficient energy for using a motor system that's ineffective, and I think what uh, Tex was talking about, is like the, you see them, they kind of shuffle on their toes. They mm-hmm. don't look like they're walking naturally. Um, that's a predictor of ADD because uh, dopaminergic motor neurons not firing efficiently through the um, limbic, uh, sorry, the salamic corticocerebellar unit for movement. Um, So I think that's like uh, 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 maybe like an other end of an extreme of what it's supposed to be. So if we were to plot it on something like a a bell curve or a normal distribution, which it's probably not plotted on, there's going to be extremes. The extremes are going to be, uh, you know, I mean you could think of even the extreme extreme like a ballet, um, uh, whatever that thing is where they walk on their toes. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. you know, the alternative would be like the 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 opposite of the cocky walks things that we do at the the crossfit football seminar. Yeah,
2: like, the heel you know, strike.
3: Yeah, somewhere in between is the majority of the normal walking stride. But walking in itself is so low impact that it's not a probably good predictor of proper movement. But but like falling and running is probably a better indicator of sort of proper motor unit uh, efficiency because. Some people will fall for it. Still run. You've seen these goofy people. They Uh-oh. run on their toes or on their heels or their they. Every week I saw I saw a girl walking every down weekend. the hall the other day at the campus, and she was walking. She was uh, there was no impact walking, every single step she knocked her knees and I I and she had the drop in her ankle. Her knees knocked. Her toe. She was walking like a duck or a penguin or whatever it's called. Oh, right. a, w-
2: a wounded animal is oh, what I call
3: it. I, I had either the inclination to put her out of her misery, um <laughs> <laughs> stronger of the two inclinations, or I, I kind of wanted to sit her down and, and say, like, what is wrong with you? And, and you know, in your article that was uh, – I just read one of the articles in which um, the question is, you know, how do you sit – or I read this article. Maybe it wasn't one of the Power Athlete articles, but – um, women tend to sit uh, sort of with their toes out, knees together, and they do that for hours on end, and it sets up this, I think, imbalance in the musculature. I mean, this girl, if she had if she had uh, symbols on her knees, it would be like, ching, ching. <laughs> like, I was, I, was, I was flabbergasted by by noticing this. So I think natural movement patterns have, um, when we talk, we use the term natural uh from like a evolutionary biological perspective, there there are two uses of the term. One is it's natural because it's here; it's been selected by natural selection. It's part of the organism's natural history. And then the other is natural and efficient or productive, which is what I think we talk about in sports and conditioning, which is um, you know that person walking down, knocking her knees or on his toes. And it's, it's typically young boys who walk on their toes. Um, that's still a natural movement. They're walking, but it's certainly inefficient, and it probably doesn't translate to awesome athletic performance on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. kind of went off on a rant there. No, yeah, so. it's good stuff. Well, no, no it, that's
1: – So apparently, like, these – you know, if I'm, if you're trying to coach up somebody on a jerk – I mean, would you guys agree that on a jerk you want to dip dry, dip down on your heels?
3: Mm. Right? Uh, or No midfoot midfoot Yeah, I'd say
2: midfoot and then
1: Okay. I'm, well, you don't want to dip down on the balls of your feet.
2: No, if your, your heel, heel comes up, up that's a problem. No one knees
1: forward. Yes. But I'm talking Your heels come up when you dip down. And it's usually because the knees are pitching way forward over the toes, you know, it's not like a like a kneecap over your little toe or something like that, and you know that what is. I mean? So you're naturally putting yourself in a position to do that, but it it seems to be like some sort of a default, and I'm talking general pop, CrossFit.
4: Okay. So, Danny, here's
0: here's a problem with that queuing system. It's the same thing as high bar, low bar. We don't want to leave anything for speculation. I don't want you on your heels. I don't want you on your toes. I want you neutral. I want the midfoot. Like, don't go forward. Don't say backwards because how, how, ba- how far back are my heels? Like this, you know, how far are my toes? Like this. Right. somebody who's you, I mean you have to look at the whole kinetic chain in the sense that just because someone's heels off the ground I mean that's no bueno but let's say their heels not off the ground they could still be too far forward
1: right yes
0: so you can't just look okay. under a microscope like that I mean we're gonna have to look at the whole movement pattern as as a system a kinetic linkage, does it flow? Is it natural in the sense of efficiency? Uh, to to dogpile on what Steve was saying. So I guess before we get down the rabbit hole.
3: I can, you, just, can I just say one more thing and then i to yeah. go to class. Denny, the other thing is you say it's a, an, a tendency of the general population. I wonder if that's actually a motoric based tendency or a mobility driven tendency. The fact that they're desk jockeys has them tight. Because I've seen plenty of athletes who I try to get to squat and it's like they want to just sit down on top of their toes and have their heels touch their ass. Like their idea of ass to ankles is let me pick my ankles up off the ground and sit on my heels while I'm on my toes. So I wonder if that's part of the problem too is that they have mobility or movement issues.
1: Sure, yeah. And we try to address that in a mobility class. I mean, have you ever seen down? – I've got to
3: duck out for class. I'll, talk, I'll uh, listen to the rest. Okay, bye. Bye. See you.
1: Have you guys ever seen somebody squat and like their their uh, foot inverses or everses? Like it it goes to the outside or to the inside. Sure.
2: Yeah. So did, right? I, mean, I got,
0: we have to. I have to let you give you a heads up on something that you might not know about Callie, myself, Tex, and John. We've seen everything. Everything. I know. So if you can dream it, we've seen it, and you know what's even better, we <laughs> fixed it. So uh, yeah, that I mean, all sorts of. Foot instability, ankle instability, that can be upstream, downstream. Uh, You know, we have some simple drills that we talk about. A four-way hip board, if you're one of those people, is going to help strengthen that. For the most part, it's learning how to just spread the world. Uh, And even that can go into excess as well. So this whole concept of over-cooking, over-queuing, I mean, we've seen a lot of that. That structural...
2: How did we get here?
1: Failure. I guess in the in the squat movement so yeah
2: how did we get here
1: you know what I mean the approach we're trying to take I mean you can't you can only verbally fucking say shit so much I mean we're trying to address that in like mobility classes and Mm -hmm. I'm working with a girl who who kinda runs that class and be like hey here's what I see this communication with the trainers I mean it you know if you're just gonna constantly sit there and say spread the floor spread the floor you know it's and they're not doing it what are you gonna fucking do you know I mean
0: you gotta keep them safe
1: yeah, I mean, that's what so they They're there to I, get fit. Yeah, and identify some of what their, you know, limiting factors are, glaring weaknesses.
2: Oh, he's got yeah. mute. So I think that that's the time when we know that the kids are up from the nap
0: potentially. Mm-hmm. We're approaching the end. Uh, so what else do we want to hit up before we get out of here, Kelly?
2: Um,
0: I don't know. Remember that time? Remember when uh, we were like on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and then we hit the rock up, and he talked back to us. Oh
2: my God! I was the first person to notice that (laughs) too. Uh, Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, because you were here stateside, where internet's free and rampant. Yeah. And I were slumming it in the trenches in Argentina.
2: I hope no Argentinians are listening to this right now.
0: Well, they know it was amazing because we were out eating amazing Argentinian steak, drinking amazing Argentinian
2: steak. Yeah, if any anybody who's listening to this hasn't noticed uh, or has been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> if you smell Oh, my God. He's back. That is, uh, a... is that the rock? Oh, my gosh. You sounds like him. Um, yeah, if anybody didn't notice, we were... Uh, Tweeted, ret- not retweeted, but oh, responded, repeat, replied to mm-hmm. um, by The Rock, which is sort of like the pinnacle of our personal and professional lives.
0: Mm-hmm. So he's gonna be on the podcast here in the future.
2: Yeah, future-ish. Yeah-ish. Um,
0: Maybe.
2: And we're kind of dating-ish.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> so what we do now? <laughs> so
2: let's, I think uh, that's let's, it.
0: Yeah, let's wrap it up because I do. have a call. I'm like. Yeah.
2: You're so busy and important, Captain. Thank you. Captain Phillips. <laughs> Thank you. Thank All you right. Guys. Well, uh, yeah, everybody stay tuned because uh, when this bad boy comes out, it'll be just around post Thanksgiving. Yep. And
0: yeah. if you're listening to this on Friday, on the release, there is a Black Friday special at shop.com. So much cool stuff.
1: That's
2: right. Get Power Athlete Swag for the lifter in your life for Christmas.
1: Excellent. All right, guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Denny. Yep. We'll talk to you next week.
2: All right, bye.
1: Bye.